1: Do you know what we're doing today?
0: Well, it's still Saturday. It is. We didn't get this out in the morning, but that means that today is...
1: Q&A Saturday.
0: That's right. And what are we q and A'ing today?
1: We are going over Jeremiah chapter 16 through 20.
0: All right, let's do this. Okie dokie.
1: All right, we are going to do a &A Q&A over chapters 16 through 20. Yeah. And I'm just going to go through and point out some shit that we missed the first time through.
0: Sure. And I think we missed some of it on purpose so that we would have yes. a Q&A to go over.
1: Yes. But there wasn't like any one particular thing that was more than a, and that's the answer to that. Boom.
0: Right, 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 right. So but that's so, why I kind
1: of saved like, them all up.
0: We, we'd gotten into a habit lately of maybe covering too much during our weeklies mm-hmm. and left us nothing to talk about sometimes on the Q&A. Sure. So.
1: And I had to find a topic then. Right, yes. Yeah. So and we've that's been harder. trying
0: to leave some. Things Things sure. For the Q&A. Sure. But.
1: So, all right. Starting with chapter 16 of Jeremiah. Okay. This chapter was all about the Lord's judgment of the people. Okay. And in the first four, um, what are they called? Verses. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeremiah was commanded to not take a wife or to father any children. Remember? Right. Yeah. That was in verse two. You shall not take a wife, nor shall you have sons or daughters in this fucking place.
0: That's what Jeremiah told us anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know?
1: So in ancient Jewish culture, which I kind of mentioned this at the time, um, and among many observant Jews today, mm-hmm. it was a shame and a dishonor to be single and childless. So it was like he really stuck out like a sore thumb. Sure, and we did kind of say it at the time that maybe this was his beard.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> like needed a reason. Not needed to have a, a wife. reason
1: to yeah. you know be single. Right. Marriage and childbearing, of course, were expected, and celibacy was highly unusual, not only in Israel, but throughout the Near East. So Jeremiah's obedience to God's command would definitely attract attention. But I found this interesting. Biblical Hebrew does not even have a word for bachelor. Really? Yeah. Interesting. So he definitely was like, what even do we call you?
0: Right, he was way outside the mountain. (laughs) Yeah. Wow, sorry. If anybody heard that, that was our kitchen throwing shit on the ground.
1: (laughs) I just assumed Uh you were gonna um, edit that out. No, no. okay, (laughs) okay. (laughs) All right, well then, verses five through seven, um, Jeremiah was commanded not to mourn with others. Okay. Okay, so verse six reads, both the great and the small shall die in this land. They shall not be buried. Neither shall men lament for them, cut themselves, nor make themselves bald for them. Okay? okay, so there's a lot going on in that verse. Yeah. Um, In this verse, like, we missed this the first time through. He wasn't just instructed not to mourn. He's being instructed not to attend any of the funerals. So he can't even go to the funeral But, and then not mourn at the funeral. Okay. He's got to stay away from them completely. Right. And this is done as a warning that when Judah falls, there will be no funerals since the dead will lie unburied.
0: Well, because it's going to be war. He's sending people after them to kill them all. Yeah. And And the bodies will be
1: left hither and yon.
0: Right. And that's what happens in wartime because, you know, obviously the people killing them. Unless they're going to stay there and live there. Right. Don't care about cleaning them up. And they're not going to let the people back to to get them.
1: Exactly. So. Exactly. So. But he's telling him, you know, you not attending funerals now is one of the signs these people should look at.
0: I have this feeling that the people that he didn't attend the funerals for were like, man, thank God. Right. Fucking Jeremiah's not here. I Jeez. know. He's a weirdo, man. What
1: a naysaying butt. <laughs> So breaking bread in time of mourning was one of the culturally accepted mourning practices, whereas the act of cutting themselves while in mourning was one of the many disobedient imitations of pagan rituals for the dead, which they had adopted. Because, again, there was a lot going on in that verse. One of the things was that um, they're not going to be buried and um, they shouldn't, you know, celebrate all of that and they should not make themselves bald for them or cut right. themselves. Right. Okay. So these were rites of self mutilation in which the mourners cut or gashed themselves and shaved the head and the beard. And they seem to have been widely practiced even though they were forbidden in those areas. When we've
0: talked about that too, but like I mean there mm-hmm. there was a lot of things that they refused to let go from older Practices, and, and I don't know that there were even older practices. I feel right. like this was all just kind of things that the Israelites did back yeah. then. And there was this other group of people like Jeremiah
1: uh-huh. who
0: was like, no, all those things need to go away. And they're like, but why?
1: Yeah. Like, you're weird. Stop yeah. telling us what to do, weirdo. Right. Yeah. And then in verses 8 and 9, um, Jer- that's where Jeremiah is commanded not to feast with them and that goes back to the breaking bread with sure. the morning was a thing that they did. Right, right. So, okay, so that was the first part of chapter 16, moving on. Okay. The next bit is uh verses 10 through 13, which um God's judgment is explained to the people of Judah. Okay? Okay. Yeah. So in verse 11 it says, "Then you shall say to them, because your fathers have forsaken me," says the Lord. dot 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 dot. Yeah. Okay? So, the coming conquest and exile of Judah was not due to the sin of only one generation. So, where it says, your fathers have forsaken me. Sure. It wasn't just because them old guys way back when were doing things. are doing bad the wrong things, things, right? It's been right? a
0: succession of wrong yeah. things since then.
1: It was due to hardened rebellion over several generations that brought Judah to their soon-to-come judgment. I see. So, God's saying that was... You know i've been looking away from this long enough and you know payment is due
0: i guess and, and you know i know we're going back to a lot of stuff that we read back in kings and chronicles and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. but back then it seemed like one one king we were good one king we were bad one king yeah. we were good one king we were bad right yes and it, it was always dependent on the king Right, it wasn't dependent on the people,
1: which we said during this last week as well when we right. talked about yeah, yeah. this. Yeah. And all
0: of a sudden, we're just
1: blaming them for all of it. Yeah, like oh, you were all bad. Yeah, instead of just the leaders, right. it's all the people. Yeah. So um, verses fourteen and fifteen were about the wonderful promise of restoration from exile because you know God's always wishy washy and He's like, "I'm gonna get you," yeah, and then He's like, "But I'll let a few of you survive. It'll yeah, be yeah, fine." Yeah. Right. And then verses 16 through 18 are about the zeal of God in pursing the people ripe for judgment. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So he's trying to get them ready to go, right? Sure. So verse 16 says, Behold, I will send for many fishermen, says the Lord, and they shall fish them. And afterward, I will send for many hunters, and they shall hunt them.
0: I'm assuming this is meaning that he's going to send people to collect the people that have been... Um, enslaved and, and captured. Yes,
1: but there's a little bit more to it. Okay? okay. Yeah. Fishers were generally understood to be the Egyptians, so the Egyptians were going to come down and collect the people as they would when they were fishing, and okay. then the hunters were considered the Chaldeans. Okay. So the Chaldeans are going to come in and pick up their. So they're going to be attacked from all sides. Got it. Is what. We're getting here,
0: okay. All right. And
1: you know, then whoever is left is going to be taken away as slaves and assimilated into new cultures.
0: Sure, okay, okay.
1: yep. And then verses nineteen through twenty one were about Yahweh glory being glorified among the Gentiles. So, right, right. And that was that whole chapter. Okay, okay. So moving on to chapter seventeen. This chapter includes the third of the passages known as the Confessions of Jeremiah. Okay. Remember, we talked about um, earlier on, there were a couple examples where he was like lamenting. Yeah. Or um, being like, God, I can't handle this. Or why me? Sure. Or God, this sucks. <laughs> so, th- we're going to see that in this chapter. Okay. And For the third time. And there's a couple more coming up as well. All right. Because, you know, he's a whiny crybaby. Yeah. Okay. So, um in verses 1 through 4, we talk about paper and pen for Judas' sin. Now, before I talk about that exact thing, the paper and the pen, let's talk about how the fact that verses 1 through 4 are not actually in the Septuagint, the oh. Greek um version of yeah, this, yeah, the yeah, Greek yeah. translation. Okay. So, like, one of the earliest versions of the Bible, verses 1 through 4, are not present.
0: So, this was added in.
1: This was added in. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So, what does verse verse 1 say? The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron, with the point of a diamond it is engraved on the tablet of their heart and on the horns of your altars. Right. Okay. And so... It's a weird thing to have, but it's also a weird thing to be missing once you know that some Bibles have it. Yeah, right, right, right. So a pen of iron was used for engraving by cutting inscriptions into rock or stone. So the point of the metaphor is not the hardness of the materials being used, but the indelible nature of what's being written. Okay. So it it was just like this... um, imagery and symbolism of this thing is going to be engraved on you forever. You'll never be able to remove it. So it wasn't about the tools so much as how the output. Yes, exactly. Okay. Okay. The image of quote, sin written with an iron pen. This is really cool. Mm -hmm. Is used by Israeli poets, Dvorah, Amir, Dalia Fala, and Liet Cap in criticizing Israel's occupation of lands, Conquered in the 1967 war and the resulting oppression of the Palestinian people, huh. which I thought was very interesting, because they were saying, "the the sins of your crimes will be engraved on you yeah. with an iron pen,
0: right, right? You know,
1: for all eternity or what the fuck ever." Yeah. So they alluded to that right. and used it in in their outcry against what was happening. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool.
0: I guess we could use it again today. Yeah, we could.
1: Uh, Today, again, or still, or or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Writing with the point of a diamond must refer to glass or some vitrified substance as it is distinguished here from engraving. And again, that just goes to show the The permanence permanence of the the message. Right, yeah. Or the permanence of... The punishment, like, you have sinned so greatly that it can never be removed. You're stained forever. Right, right. So, moving on to verse uh, verses 5 through 8 are about the folly of trusting in man. Okay. Okay? Mm-hmm. And verse 6 reads, for he shall be like a shrub in the desert. Do you remember that?
0: Kind of, yes.
1: Okay. So, in Hebrew, the name of this tree is called the Arar. Which sounds similar to the word for cursed, which is our roar. Okay. And I am sure that I'm not pronouncing those to the best right. of how they should be, but you can get Pronunciation the Pronunciation
0: has never been our strong suit. In ever. <laughs>
1: ever. And you can get how, how they sound alike or how they're spelled alike at any rate. Mm-hmm. Um, it's part of a wordplay that is central to this poem. Got it. Which, you know me, I'm always a sucker for some good wordplay. Yeah. So, you know, the... Tree, the type of tree sounds like the word cursed. And that's what, you know, God is telling Jeremiah is going to be Yeah, like.
0: now the- I feel like this is the kind of stuff, though, that, that you know, biblical people who are very, very much a believer in God and very versed in the Bible uh-huh. would say that, well, you just can't understand because, you know, there was things lost in translation and this was d- done this way versus that way. And I'm like, to some extent, I see your point, right? Right. But to some extent I'm like, but the message is still the message and we can dig into this as much as we want to and we've we've, we've done some of that out We've done we've done that research and really it doesn't change the messages dramatically right It's just little quips about things that they wanted to emphasize or they wanted to, you know sure like, it does make some difference in how it reads Sure. But overall, the message is still the same message.
1: God is still a dick. Right. Like you can phrase it differently and you could take out maybe a couple of the times that we got it wrong and he wasn't actually a dick. Well, you're not taking out the
0: message, you're taking out the poetry. Right. right? You're taking out the part that would have been, you know, clever or beautiful. Yeah. Right. That's the only thing that's missing. It's not the message. The message is still there. And we can still interpret the message the way it reads. Which so, is that God is a dick. Right. It might even be easier without the poetry because you don't get lost in that.
1: Right. Exactly. So. Yeah. Because I can go down the road forever with like symmetry and, um, you know, the the poetics and the rhyme, scale, rhyme schemes, that kind of thing. Right. Like, right. let's not. Yeah. So the Bedouin refer to this tree as the cursed lemon or the Sodom Apple, hmm. because it grows in the desert salt lands that surround the Dead Sea, where Sodom and Gomorrah once were.
0: Oh, gotcha.
1: Um, So I looked up Cursed Lemon because I was like, <laughs> that's <laughs> it, cool. I yeah. want to know more. So there are musical bands named Cursed Lemon. Oh. um, There are all kinds of... Allusions to cursed lemon, so I wasn't the only one that read that and was like, "That's badass! That's so cool!" Like, there's a lot of stuff about it out there. Yeah, on the Googles. So, moving on, then, um, according to their legends, when God destroyed Sodom, this is the Bedouin legends. Yeah, um, he cursed the fruit of this tree so that the tree's fruit, when opened, makes a pssst sound like air being released from a tire. Okay. And the fruit itself is said to be hollow and filled with webs, dust, and a dry pit. Interesting. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So that would go towards the Sodom apples. Got
0: it. Got it. Okay. So that's cool. Yeah.
1: Okay. So verses 9 through 10 were about the folly of trusting one's own heart. Uh Uh-huh. You know, he talked about how, you know, you should trust God, not yourself. Right, right. Okay. And then verse 11 was about the folly of trusting in riches. And verse 11 reads, As a partridge that broods but does not hatch, so is he who gets riches but not by right. It will leave him in the midst of his days, and at the end he will be a fool. So we talked about this a little bit um, during the week, but I just wanted to hit it up again. Here Jeremiah states a proverb meant to show the foolishness of trusting in unearned riches. According to this ancient proverb, a partridge sits upon the eggs of other birds. When the eggs hatch, the chicks leave the partridge because they don't really belong to that bird. Likewise, Jeremiah claims that riches will leave a man when he stands before God in judgment. Okay. Okay? Sure. Like, whatever. But then I had to add my own little fun note, which I thought was funny and nobody else did. I'm (laughs) going to read it anyway. The moral of the story is don't count your chickens before they hatch and don't count on your chickens even after they hatch, especially if they aren't your chickens in the first fucking place. If you have chickens and you came by them fairly, wait till they are teenagers before you start counting on them. And really, if I'm being honest, you can never count on chickens, regardless of how they come into your possession. (laughs) (laughs) So I just thought that cracked me up.
0: Yes, yeah, I did.
1: You are being about noisy today. All right, so moving on. Verses fourteen through seventeen were about a prayer for deliverance and defense, and then verse eighteen was a prayer for the justification of Jud's prop God's prophet, Judge Prophet. Who's Jud? I don't, <laughs> Judd? I don't, I don't know. know. Anyway, a justification of God's prophet, and then. Keep going. Keep going. Run along through this, okay? okay? Verses 19 through 23 were about Jeremiah delivering a message to the people, obey God's command of the Sabbath. Remember that right, bit? Right, yeah. And yeah. he went
0: on for a while about it that. It did,
1: yeah. And then verses 24 through 27 were a promised blessing for obedience and curse for disobedience, Sure. okay? And verse 24 read, And it shall be, if you heed me carefully, says the Lord, to bring no burden through the gates of this city on the Sabbath day, but hallow the Sabbath day to do no work in it. And then verse 25 continues, They and their princes, accompanied by the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and this city shall remain forever,
0: okay? Right. Yeah.
1: So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Okay. So Jeremiah spoke for the Lord and promised the people of Jerusalem and Judah that if they radically obeyed even just this one command, which we kind of talked about this. We did. Yeah. We were like, so all they gotta do is the, the one thing: ray, obey yeah. the Sabbath and yeah. or respect the Sabbath, and yeah. and you'll be good, huh? Um. So if they would just radically obey even this one command, God would preserve their city and their kingdom. It wasn't that the Sabbath was the only command important to God.
0: But he's just like, if you can just get one goddamn thing right.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) This offer to Jerusalem and Judah was simply a testing point. If they were willing to radically obey God on just this one fucking point, it would indicate a true repentance and submission to God that would extend to all the other points. Okay. So he was like, I'm going to grade you on a curve. Right. And they were like, meh. So this one point of obedience or disobedience would stand for all the others. This is like pass or fail, you
0: know? You know, if they had done it, we would have never heard about this. Hypothetically, God would
1: have moved the gold post. Right, yeah. Like,
0: it wouldn't even have been a—like, this is just some um, prophet slash priest person sitting there going, I just need you to do this one thing for us, and he'll forgive us all, right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Whereas there's other people out there still saying, you know— we're, we're in good shape, right? Like, they're all saying these different things yeah. are happening. Yeah. And this one guy's like, if you just do this one thing perfectly, yeah. then we'll be okay. But obviously, it didn't work out. They still got conquered. They still yeah. got captured. They still got killed.
1: Exactly. So that's God let it happen.
0: That's why like. we know about it. That's why it's a thing. Because Jeremiah was like, if you just do this, and then according to him, they didn't. So now it's a right. bad thing. And it caused bad things. And right. now... That's the lesson that we're supposed to take from this. But the, the bullshit of it is that if they had done it, we would have never even heard about it. it, it and I said this earlier in this this week, I think, at some point. Mm-hmm. The only reason we know about these things is because at some level, Jeremiah ended up being right. They got captured, yeah. killed, you know, enslaved, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And he was the one pitching these messages of doom and gloom. And so they're like, well, we probably should have listened to him because yeah. if we did just listened to him, we'd be okay. Yeah. But that's also bullshit.
1: Yeah. Well that's they, what I'm saying. The God people would, were gonna
0: conquer them one way or the other. It God would fucking have moved matter.
1: the goalpost and there would have been a different reason. Right. Yeah. You know, well, I said that, but you didn't do it in your heart the right way, and it wasn't enough. It was too late. Yeah. Or whatever. It's bullshit. Yeah. yeah. It is. What I found interesting was some of the notes um compared this to How um, the obedience or disobedience for Adam in the Garden of Eden stood for all other sins Mm, that, you know, do this one thing correctly. Right. And that, you know, is the end all be all of all time punishment or living in the Garden of Eden. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. So that was chapter 17. Moving on to chapter 18. Okay. Okay. This chapter includes the fourth of the passages known as the Confessions of Jeremiah. All right. Okay. Yep. So verses one through four, Jeremiah visits the potter's house. Remember yeah, this? Yes. With the fucking clay.
0: Yeah, th- this was amusing to me.
1: Yeah, stupid to me. Verses five through ten cover God's right to deal with his people as he pleases. And we- you and I discuss the morals of um, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Right, right. And then... Verse 6 reads, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord. And then um, this has nothing to do with it, really. I just thought this was interesting. Note that God called the southern kingdom, which technically was not the kingdom of all 12 tribes, the house of Israel, because there were truly representatives from all 12 tribes among the people of Judah from the migration of the godly From the tribes of the northern kingdom of Israel to Judah in the days of Jeroboam.
0: Oh, so like when the when they were getting conquered up north, Uh some people moved down to Judah. Yeah, which probably made them a stronger. um, That's probably why they lasted longer. Yeah, they're like, we got to get the fuck out of here, and they're going down to Judah, and Judah's like, oh shit, this shit's coming. Yeah. So they were, and that's
1: how they the politics of it. They could see what was coming down the road. Right,
0: right. They knew, and and they were building their army because these people were escaping to them, mm-hmm. so they had more people to, you know, bolster their numbers at that point, and which kept them safer for longer.
1: It did. But, and also, um, they were bringing their their pagan practices with them.
0: Right, and right. And so... No, but the pagan practices were already there, They too. were already
1: there, it's yeah, just,
0: they, yeah. There was people bringing them and reinforcing some of that. So.
1: Exactly. So, verse 11 was about devising a plan of judgment, mm-hmm. and then verses 12 through 17 were about... The response of the people and God's answer to them. Okay. okay? Yep. So I'm going to read verses 13 and 14. Therefore, thus says the Lord, ask now among the Gentiles, who has heard such things? The Virgin of Israel has done a very horrible thing. Will a man leave the snow water of Lebanon, which comes from the rock of the field? Will the cold flowing waters be forsaken for strange waters?
0: You said Lebanon? Was it Lebanon?
1: Yeah, it's Lebanon. Okay. I'm sorry. I was
0: like, Lemonin. Like, what is lemonin?
1: I've got a little bit of, like, a nasally thing going on. I apologize. <laughs> so um we asked about that. At the time, we were like, what does that mean? And, and we decided that calling Israel a virgin, he's done that before. Yeah. And he's basically saying, you know, you, you've done this horrible thing, so now you're a whore. Yeah. And um that the waters were about the, the clean waters versus the dry cistern. Right. Okay. Yeah. Now in turning from God to the idols, Judah and the people of Judah have done something that is almost unbelievable. Such action is as unnatural as that of a virgin who suddenly turns prostitute (laughs) or of a snow fed mountain stream that suddenly dries up. Got it. And those are two wonderful things that obviously compare to each other.
0: Yeah, in no way way whatsoever.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So verse 17 says I will scatter them as with an east wind before the enemy. And um, I found something that said the east wind is the Sirocco, a hot dry I've that wind. Before, actually. It's a hot dry wind coming from the eastern deserts. Okay. Right. So that's what he meant by that. Yeah. Them hot winds going to get you. Right. If I don't the hot winds of Sirocco will. <laughs> okay. So then the next section is verse 18, the plot against Jeremiah. We're getting Mm, in the thick of it now. This is
0: the personalized vendettas that he's got.
1: Yeah. So let me read that. Then they said, come and let us devise plans against Jeremiah, for the law shall not perish from the priest, nor counsel from the wise, nor the word from the prophet. And we skipped over that at at the time because we were like... Really concentrating on how Jeremiah was like, They're plotting against me, they're plotting against yeah. me, this is unfair. Right. But it actually is worth looking at the priest, the wise, and the prophet. Okay. Like those are three separate things that um three separate groups that are plotting against him. Got it. Okay. The law would be the priests. Yeah. Um, you know, they're the the religious people. Mm-hmm. And leaders of the church, and the council from the wise would be, you know, the elders, sure. the town elders. Yeah. And the there are other prophets in town. Obviously,
0: tell. they've alluded to yeah. them. So,
1: so all three of these very separate groups are combined together plotting against him. Yeah. So this is a very political thing, obviously.
0: Yeah, And he's very um shitty. Well, I mean, he's the minority here, right? Yeah. Like he's he's definitely. Being ganged up on. I mean, he ended up in stockades at one point. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Yeah.
1: That's interesting, too. I've got some notes about that. Right. So, Jeremiah had been relentless in his condemnation of the three classes of officials referred to here. Priests, wise men, and prophets. Okay. okay? Mm -hmm. It is probably safe to assume that it was these men of the establishment who instigated the plot, since they were the ones he specifically mentioned. Sure. So, I mean.
0: I mean, that's kind of what I was assuming when we were going through it, that it was important people that were... Right. It's just know.
1: we we kind of skipped over who was plotting. Sure. The people. The people are plotting. Yeah. The people in charge. You know, those people. Yeah. But it was actually spelled out for us. So that's interesting, I yeah. think. Yeah. So verses 19 and 20 were about Jeremiah pleading for himself, and then verses 21 through 23 were about Jeremiah pleading against his enemies. Right. God, get him. Yeah. Okay? So that was Jeremiah chapter 18. Now we're moving into Jeremiah chapter 19. Okay. okay? And mm-hmm. shit's starting to get very real now. Yeah. Okay. This is about the broken vessel. Okay? okay. Yeah. So verses one and two are about preparation for the message that's to come. This is where he okay? stood in
0: front of all the people and like yeah. shattered the.
1: Shattered the flask.
0: Yeah. Yes. Okay.
1: So verse, verse one says, thus says the Lord, go and get a potter's earthen flask. Okay, so let's talk about that flask itself for okay. a minute. Uh-huh. Okay. The earthen flask was probably a small clay bottle with a narrow neck. It was easily broken and could not be repaired in any way whatsoever. Like once it was shattered, it was done. Okay. And that was the symbolism of that. Got it. The Hebrew noun bakbuk means clay jar, and it's an onomatopoeia. Are you familiar with that mean? The what?
0: same way forward as backward? No. Or what's the No, I'm not sure. No,
1: onomatopoeia is a word... That is the sound uh, that it is. Oh, like the word oh, oh, oh. Um, "gurgle" is an onomatopoeia, right. gotcha. or like a "suceration." It, it, it the word itself the, is the, the sound. The, yeah, I yeah, gotcha. right. yeah. So the "buck book" meow sounds. Yeah, meow exactly. <laughs> the "buck book" the clay jar. It sounds like the gurgling of outpouring water. <laughs> Buck book. Oh, okay. So right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was interesting. Right. Having come from the potter's house in the previous chapter, God showed Jeremiah how the potter could mold clay again into a new shape if it should seem resistant. But here the clay is baked, hardened, and breakable. If there is nothing so workable as a clay pot in the making... yeah. There is nothing so unalterable as the finished product. If it's wrong by then, that's that. It's trash.
0: Oh, so this is a justification for him killing the yes. Israelites. Yes. Like you guys have been hardened. You yeah. cannot change, and exactly. now it's time to die. Exactly.
1: I thought that was a really clever um, comparison. Yeah. That we kind of missed.
0: We did. We did.
1: Yeah. But, but yeah, they, that, that
0: that that's a good that's a good that's good symbolism.
1: Yeah. I I in a writing sense, I appreciate it. In in the symbolism and the comparison. Right.
0: I don't, I still don't agree with the message. No, at all. But, but the it symbolism did, is good.
1: It did kind of make me go, oh, that's actually kind of cool, though. Yeah. yeah. Like, writing, writing is yeah. cool. Good writing, God. There you go. Right. Okay, verse 2 reads, and go to the valley of the son of Hinnom, which is by the entry of the potsherd gate. Potsherd? Potsherd. Potsherd. Yeah. Okay, the potsherd gate likely corresponded to the dung gate. Do you remember that gate? I it do was remember in, it. It was but, in Nehemiah. I yeah. kept calling it the poop gate. Right, right. Yeah. And it indicates that the valley was being used as a rubbish heap. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it must have acquired its name from the fact that potters whose workshops were near the gate dumped their broken vessels beyond the gate. So sure. that would be the potsherd yeah, gate.
0: Yeah, yeah, oh, And this, dung gate, you know, seems to indicate that they dumped some shit out there too.
1: Right, that's where <laughs> that's where all of the animals poop got scooped to and probably the maybe humans. the human they poop didn't have, as well, you know. Yeah.
0: uh plumbing back then, so.
1: So they just piled it up at the gate. Right. That sounds yummy.
0: Okay,
1: mm-hmm. so that happened. And then um verse 3 was about the beginning of the message at the Potsher gate. Remember he's standing there yeah. shouting shit. Right. Um Verses 4 through 5 is the reason for the catastrophe to come, which we already know is because God's mad and because the people suck or whatever. Right, right. And then verses 6 through 9 are about the description of the catastrophe to come. So before it was the reason, now it's the description. Got whatever, it. Who cares? Okay, so... Verses 10 through 11 are about the breaking of the flask. So he throws it down and breaks it. Yeah. And then um, there's some who say that it's very likely that he emptied it out first because to make that sound, that. Boop, 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 yeah, you know,
0: yeah. Okay. Um,
1: to like symbolize, uh, like, because it, it would have been uh, a dramatic thing to do to empty it and okay. then break it. I got it. I so. Got it. There's there's people who study the the Bible and the phrasing and all that stuff and say,
0: it's likely this is the way it went down.
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay. Which okay. I'm like, I can appreciate that. Yeah, sure. OK, sure. OK. And then 12 through 13 is the meaning of the broken glass. And then 14 through 15 is after the message of the broken. I flask. have to
0: wonder if they walked on the broken glass.
1: Walking on broken <laughs> glass. Is that where you're going with that? Yeah, that's where I was going OK, on. OK. Okay, Jeremiah chapter twenty. We're about to wrap this shit up and bring it home. Okay. Okay. Yep. And this was kind of my favorite because the stockades. Yeah. Right. Okay. And, the and Jeremiah around. got punished. He got. And he got smacked. Okay. He got more than smacked. Okay. I'm going to tell you some shit here. Okay. And right. I, look, I'm no fan of Jeremiah, but he got
0: beat the fuck up. He got
1: beat the fuck up. Okay. It was not pretty. Okay. okay. So this chapter includes the fifth of the passages known as the Confessions of Jeremiah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So he has been arguing with God a lot. Just
0: He has. He has.
1: And I can see why after this chapter. <laughs> okay. So verses one through two are um, about Jeremiah being God's spokesman from the stocks. Yeah. Okay. So let me read verse two. Then Pasher struck jeremiah the prophet and put him in the stocks yeah okay for one thing that's the first time in jeremiah that he's been referred to by title jeremiah the prophet right so we kind of missed that but it was pointed out that hey just so you know that's we a thing Did
0: point out that there was a narrator
1: we did but
0: we didn't yes. pick up on that specific thing
1: yes that's so. correct but that was because what is about to happen to him is, like, so um, awful that respect of his name and title is being given to him, is being granted. Sure. Okay? Yeah. So basher or I'm sorry, pasher is the chief officer of the temple, and he was furious at Jeremiah's words, and so he arrested him, flogged him, and imprisoned him for the night. Okay, so Jeremiah was not just smacked, FYI, he was beaten quite badly. He was beat the fuck up. He got, got flogged. Damn. Yeah, that's what struck means. He got, got struck. Okay. And All right. so they flogged him, and it was likely about 40 times. Damn. Yeah. So wow. That's what that meant. Yeah. And then he but was. But you
0: know, I, and, and look, as bad as that is, Jeremiah was saying he was when a rabble rouser. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was that. But he was also telling God that they wanted to kill him. They literally have him yeah. in their possession. Yeah. And they're not killing him. And look, again, what they did to him
1: was not fun. It was not
0: fun and not good, and I don't approve of it. Right. But he's telling God they want to kill him.
1: And then they and let then him they go. Don't. Right. So
0: right. I just I, I just want to clarify that point because No, that's fair. He's telling God something that didn't actually happen,
1: even though okay, they had him. But here's another argument against that. Maybe they were like, because remember, they let him go the next day, which I'm about yeah. to get into. Okay. Maybe they told him, we're going to let you go. This was just a taste of what's to come if you don't shut the fuck up and stop your shenanigans. I
0: guess that could be. Could
1: I be. imagine that's what it was. Okay. All right. and that's just me. Like, you don't just flog somebody 40 times and then lock them up in this device that I'm about to tell you about. Yeah. And then let him go the next day and then everything's all better. But then
0: the fucker walked out and he started talking shit again. Yeah, I mean, I'm just you know, yeah, whatever he
1: did. Okay, so let's talk about the stocks. Yeah, okay, okay. The stocks were a form of scaffold in which prisoners were detained in a crooked or confined position, which produced muscle cramps. Oh, okay. That's the horrible. Hebrew word, yeah, the Hebrew word is formed from the verb to twist, implying that this twist frame clamped the victim in a position. That would become increasingly distressing. Their function was to inflict cruel and inhuman torture upon the hapless victim. Oh, so that's what I'm saying.
0: So this wasn't just like putting your head and arms. No, this
1: was not like how you picture the stocks.
0: Right. Okay. Okay.
1: He was flogged and then he was put into this torture device and then the next morning let go. I'm positive that they must have told him this was nothing. Yeah. We will fucking kill you. Got it. If you don't stop. Okay. In which case, that lends me to a little bit of, I can understand why he was questioning God. Like, Jesus Christ.
0: They're going to kill me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You have to stop. You have to stop making me do this. I can't. This is bad. This is not good. I cannot. Sure. Sure. I'm getting nothing good out of this. Right. So that does kind of change the story a little bit, right? Knowing all of this. I guess. I guess. Uh, Insofar as in canon. Yeah. Okay. okay. If, canon. if
0: we take for, if we accept, if we were to accept the fact, the, the, the hypothesis, the yes. idea that God was literally talking to Jeremiah. Sure.
1: That first of all, there is a God. Right. And yeah. that God like was. Like this
0: takes so many leaps of faith. Right. That sure. I, to get there. That, But like if, if we accepted that, right. Sure. And then accepted the fact that apparently it was to such an extent that Jeremiah literally couldn't keep his mouth shut. Yeah. I guess then I can understand his point of view. Yeah. Right. But that just takes so many like ridiculous leaps yeah. of faith to get there. And that's not even for the entire book of the Bible. That is just, just for Jeremiah. Jeremiah.
1: And just in this section. Right. Yeah. So No, I'm I'm with you. I'm just saying, like, I'm trying to accept the story like just the little pieces at a time. Yeah. And it does add a little bit of feeling to it.
0: Well, and I can see, you know, th- this this kind of like what we're just talking about right now, right? Yeah. You can point by point make a argument for God if you accept this, if you accept that, if you accept this, if you accept that, yeah. right? So you can talk away any particular point. But then when you talk about in general how many things you have to accept yeah. or 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 believe— in order to get there or overlook it's a substantial amount to just get to the point where you then can even fathom talking about the belief of an actual god sure, it, sure. It's, no it's, i'm
1: I, i'm right with i'm right there with you right so i'm i'm torn because i'm being pulled in several different directions okay i'm reading the bible for the first time as an agnostic turned hardcore atheist sure okay and so there's that's where i'm right there with you I'm also reading this as the person who's researching the history of it and filling in some blanks. Right. And so that's cool, right? Yeah. And then I'm also reading this as a writer who can appreciate a good story. right? right. And so I, I'm having to like juggle all of these different ways of viewing this story. And sometimes I walk away going, oh, that's cool. When what I really mean... At the end of the day, regardless of how cool it is, is but I still don't believe in God, and the God of the Bible is a fucking dick.
0: Well, and, and something we have lost, that we, so we we don't talk about this as much. Like when we first started Jeremiah, let's say at chapters 1 through 5, right? Yeah. We were talking about how it was much better written than Isaiah. Yes. Right? yes. The, the wording, the, the phrasing, everything the about poetry. the poetry, everything yes. was so much better than what Isaiah was. Mm-hmm. We've lost the ability to see that, I think. Um, because the message is so repetitive. And, and repellent. Whiny. Yeah. It's, yes. And so, like, we're losing some of the beauty that is there, if you picked it out. Sure. In the message, because the message is just crap.
1: Yeah. I mean, a flaming pile of shit is still a pile of shit. Yeah. No matter how beautiful the flame. Right. right? <laughs> All right. So, moving on. Verses 3 through 6 are about Jeremiah's message to Peshawar upon his release.
0: This is where he started talking shit immediately upon leaving yes. the fucking stockade. Yes, but stocks. there's
1: there's more about that too. Okay. Okay. Sure. So let me read verse three. And it happened on the next day that Peshur brought Jeremiah out of the stocks. Then Jeremiah said to him, The Lord has not called your name Peshur, but Magor Misabib. And we were like, Yeah, well the who the fuck, fuck is, is that? that? Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about this scene. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I've got like a pretty good paragraph here to get through. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, Pesher was the priest and chief governor, and he likely thought that letting him go the next day was a kind and humanitarian act. Sure. Like, I've let you go. Right. You know, I didn't keep you there all day. I merely flogged you like 39 or 40 times and then locked you in a torture device, but I did let you go. We
0: taught you a lesson.
1: Yeah. 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 He didn't want to be overly cruel to Jeremiah the Cuckoo Bean. Sure. And he thought that Jeremiah had likely learned his lesson, like you said. Right. Okay? Yeah. The meaning of the name Pashur is freedom, ease, peacefulness, tranquility. Mm. On the other hand, the name Magor Misabib is the exact opposite. It translates to mean terror on every side. Mm. So... That to us sounds like no big deal. But what he is saying is you know better, motherfucker. Yeah. And God's not gonna call you peace and tranquility. Oh. You're you will be among the harshest punished, and it will come from all sides, and you should be very fucking afraid.
0: You know how um names have meanings, right? Like if you look yes. them up. Do you think people back then knew what they're they're like? I don't know offhand what my the meaning of my name is or your name or our kid's name or anything. Right. Um, I could look it up and I could find some information on it, right? Mm-hmm. But do you think people walked around back in ancient days knowing what their name meant?
1: Well, this guy knew what he was saying. Okay. All right. He was saying, that's why God's going to call you this instead of that. Right. No, obviously, you know?
0: that and that's why I'm asking the question. Maybe it was a lot more common to know the meaning behind names back then than it right. is now. I just, right. I don't.
1: Well, maybe that wasn't a name. Maybe that was the words terror on all okay. sides. All right.
0: That could be too. So yeah. right.
1: at any rate, he he was making a statement.
0: Sure. Okay.
1: So that makes that make a little bit more sense, which I appreciate. Yeah. I,
0: I didn't understand what that meant at the time.
1: So here's where I get into a little bit of paragraph reading. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. I'm, this was so interesting to me. This was I couldn't wait to get to this part. Got it. The man was of high authority, the deputy high priest, in fact, an office that made him second only to the governor of the temple. Okay. Okay. So he was not just like nobody, a, a priest or like a security guard or something. Right. Okay. Yeah. He was like right at the top. Sure. Okay. He had falsely assumed the prophetic office. He was not supposed to be prophesizing, much less falsely prophesizing. He was his um, position did not allow for him to be one who prophecies. Okay, but he was out there being one of the the um, people. Yeah, one of the prophets saying, "Nah, don't worry, Jeremiah's got this." Crazy. I talk to God all the fucking time. God says it's gonna be fine. Okay, chillax. Right. And we are gonna hear from this Pashur guy in coming chapters. You
0: say we are. We are. Okay. Yeah.
1: Right. So I, and I'm excited to hear how his story goes yeah okay yeah but anyway he so he was giving prophecies and he was not supposed to be doing that from his position that was not his job
0: but isn't a prophet just somebody that god speaks to like how do you determine um, like what is your position to deem whether or not you can be a prophet or not
1: only specific people within the church like he was more in the legalic side the the legalese okay and um, he was not supposed to be, it, it just wasn't something but that was his,
0: Jeremiah in a position to Well, his that?
1: family was one of the wealthy families um, that were likely the ones that um, held the Ark of the Covenant at one time. And so, yeah, his he has a background in being closely tied to this God.
0: OK, so it just seems like an awfully convenient excuse so to, to where Jeremiah can prophecy and then this guy can't. That's all.
1: I don't disagree, but let us not forget that there's a lot of politics going on, which I'm about to get into. Right, right. Okay. Which is, why, assumed... which
0: is why I'm questioning whether Jeremiah technically was somebody who was allowed to prophecy.
1: Well, we know he came from a wealthy family and we know that his family was closely tied to what would have been the Levites and likely was the place where the Ark of the Covenant was sure. being cared for Okay. at one time. Right. So every, even if he wasn't. Specifically called to be a prophet, everybody would have believed. Yeah, that tracks. Okay, you know what I mean. Well, yeah, I mean, they anybody didn't from see, that they didn't seem
0: to like him that much. So that's that's why I'm saying, right? You know, then the,
1: the prophecies that he was giving were against what everybody else had agreed to prophecy. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So that's why they didn't like him. It had nothing to do with where he came from. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I'm going to get into that a little bit okay, here. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So Pashur was not supposed to be prophesizing. Okay. Most probably, he and his friends formed a political party in Jerusalem, clamoring for an alliance with Egypt, because there were some people doing that at the time.
0: Which would kind of make some sense, because Mm -hmm. they are—it's obvious that they know they're going to be getting invaded. Yes, because
1: they've already had refugees coming down, right, telling them about the storm that was brewing and coming their direction. Yes. So— these guys probably believed that such an alliance with Egypt would provide the security that Israel so desperately needed at that time. Jeremiah's stern prophecies were a threat to Pesher's position. Got it. And the drastic action against Jeremiah was designed to support Pesher's evil policy, which, of course, he backed up with false prophecies, an act that was he was not authorized to perform in the first place. Got it. So Got it. there was so much um Political. politics going on yeah, yeah. Right. that him letting him go was supposed to be a show of power okay. like i have magnanimously released you from the stockade sure the torture device
0: yep
1: and um jeremiah came out not thankful but pissed like yeah. um i'm pissed at god because they're trying to kill me and you're making me do this and this is bullshit right and then he's telling um sure you know i'm not don't do me any fucking favors right you know it's coming for you regardless yeah and you know now you're getting it worse than you you already were because now you are 100 actively involved in trying to shut down what i'm saying right and everything about you is wrong right right so i could understand now why he's so fucking wishy-washy and like He's like, save the people. God, I hate these people. Save the people. Ugh, these guys. <laughs> you know, save the people, except for those bastards.
0: I guess. I guess. Yeah. I, I still, I mean, like a lot of the things, it doesn't change my opinion on what I've said about um, how God is treating them as a whole or anything like sure. that. Sure. And really, it doesn't change my opinion about Jeremiah. I still think he was a whiny asshole. Oh, was, definitely. You know,
1: I it doesn't make me think he was any less whiny. It just makes me sympathetic maybe to why he was whiny. Okay. Because Very. I don't know that I would have been any better in his position and that's what I'm trying to imagine.
0: But again, coming from the point standpoint of God is literally speaking to you. Right. which I don't I don't accept.
1: So. No, totally. Totally. I still think that he was a cuckoo bean. Yeah. But Reading this part, let me just view it as a story. Sure. You know, yeah. and how, how are the characters moving and character motivation and all that. Yeah. The writer in me was really appreciating all of this part. Right. Okay. So moving on, verses 7 through 8 were about Jeremiah speaking to God of his own faithlessness. So in verse 7, he says, Lord, you induced me and I was persuaded. I remember I took offense to the word induced. Yes. Was, Fuck off. Okay, so Jeremiah seems to be saying that he had understood his relationship to Yahweh to be something like a marriage bond. But now he's claiming that he had been deceived, enticed, or seduced by Yahweh, who had used him and tossed him aside. Ah. Because he's like, I just got beat the fuck up, put in a torture device. Right. And they are threatening to kill me. This is bullshit. I didn't sign up for this.
0: Why didn't you stop him?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, how am I supposed to keep believing that you got me? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it was the torture he endured in the stocks that drew from Jeremiah this last outburst toward God. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So then in verses 9 through 10, Jeremiah resolves to stop his prophetic work. But then in verses 11 through 12, um, he talks about his confidence in God, which is great. But then, um, you know, in verse 14, Thirteen, he praises mighty God, but then we get to verses fourteen through eighteen to finish out the chapter. And grief and depression strike again. Right, it's like he talks himself up, and he's like, "Okay, okay, okay, God is great, I'm, God I'm is good." I'm gonna do this,
0: yeah.
1: But then he's like, "But God damn, my arms hurt, my <laughs> all my legs hurt, my body, God, this hurts. This is stupid. What am I doing?" Yeah. And
0: so I, I gotta be, I gotta be honest. You know, if I if I was having this personal talking relationship with God, yeah. I'd be like, why didn't you stop this shit? Why didn't right. you kill Pashur? Why didn't you make him be captured? Why didn't you do something to make this not happen?
1: Yeah, and it kind of makes sense why he would be like, if you're going to kill all these fucks, make sure he's top of the list, would right. you? Right.
0: No, I, and again, in canon. I, in canon. I can, I in can story understand world. that. Yeah. 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 So.
1: All right, so let's finish this up, okay? Yep. Verse 17 says, because he did not kill me from the womb that my mother might have been my grave and her womb always enlarged with me why did i come forth from the womb to see her labor and sorrow that my day should be consumed with shame remember he's like why was i ever born this old?" right right and we're like what the fuck is that about yeah. why are you and joe boys being like blaming your never mother been and, yeah right yeah. Yeah. yeah this one actually um, has a specific reason okay okay mm-hmm. Jeremiah traces his troubles back to the womb because God told him in verse one of the book of Jeremiah that God had called him before he was born yeah Jeremiah thought his problems would be over if he had never been born right so let's just read verse one of chapter one I, of I remember Jeremiah it was, it was really I, kind weird, so, yeah. I, I kind of forgot I kind of forgot. So, and I'm sorry, it wasn't verse one. It was verses four and five of chapter one, okay, okay. Then the Word of the Lord came to me saying, "Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before you were born, I sanctify you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. And that remember he was like born circumcised or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. but because he actually told those specific words to Jeremiah, that's Jeremiah not blaming his mother and saying, we're have to be born and fuck my mother anyways. <laughs> right. That's him saying, like, you know, you called me from the womb. Why? This sucks. This is stupid. Yeah. Like, I, I wish you hadn't. If I'd never been born, then you couldn't have called me from the fucking womb.
0: So Jeremiah is a reluctant prophet then?
1: Oh, he's not just reluctant. He's like, this is bullshit. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's kind of funny.
1: It is kind of funny. So that's the end of my travels through the last five chapters. Yeah. And I'm really glad that I got to revisit things with a little bit more of a pointed eye than picking out one question to answer and going down a rabbit hole that way. Yeah. yeah. Um this really made the story make a lot more sense. And I might be doing it this style, like recapping the chapters for the rest of Jeremiah, because I feel like we might have missed some important stuff earlier on. Yeah, and I have found a couple more sources that really lend a lot of input into all these stories. Sure. So I,
0: I, that's kind of you and I had talked about this. Yeah. Um, but I, this is, I kind of asked you to step back and stop given as much during each chapter. Yeah. Because I felt like it was not...
1: Helpful in the moment.
0: Yeah, like these things where we get to go back the at the end of the week and kind of look back. Yeah. We have a, a larger perspective of what we're talking about, and it gives you a little bit more time to investigate things that you find interesting. Yeah. And so I like those a little bit better than a- I do I, in the moments. Now that's not I appreciate say... the
1: recap, too, though. The yeah. recap with the added notes, to me, makes the story make more sense. Sure, yeah. And I'm a a person that requires repetition. I don't remember shit. Right. So, yeah.
0: All right. Well, that was um, our Q&A for today.
1: Yes. All right.
0: Which means that we will be back tomorrow on Sunday with our
1: Patreon.
0: And then I will get out the weekly wrap up and we'll be back on Monday with
1: Jeremiah chapter 21.
0: All right. We'll see you guys then. Bye.